Hi, Teaching Plus listeners. This is Ellen Watson, Senior Educational Developer with the Center for Teaching and Learning at the University of Alberta. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Long, Instructional Designer with the Center for Teaching and Learning. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Julie Rack and Dr. Corinne Harrell about strategies to encourage inclusive classes. We learn that synchronous classes can pose a challenge for instructors since we lose the neutrality of the on-campus classroom and step into people's homes. Additionally, we learn that when the online course is designed with inclusivity in mind, online delivery can provide new and innovative ways to construct safe spaces for students. We now bring you Dr. Julie Rack and Dr. Corinne Harrell. Welcome to the Teaching Podcast, Julie and Corinne. Thank you. We're happy to have you here, but why don't you start by telling us a bit about your affiliation with the U of A and what courses you teach? My name is Karen Harrell. I've been teaching in the Department of English and Film Studies at the U of A since 2004. My main area of of research is 18th century literature and culture. I've always taught throughout my career a lot of classes on gender and sexuality, and that is the course I'm teaching this term. I'm Julie Rack. I'm a professor and the Henry Marshall Tory Chair in the Department of English and Film Studies, and I've been part of the University of Alberta since 1998, so I am a lady of the 90s. And I have uh, my areas of research are any kind of nonfiction, so autobiography, that kind of thing, also popular culture, book history, and um, Canadian literature. And most of my teaching has been in theory. So I have I teach a lot of theory courses, including gender and sexuality theory, which I'm doing this term with Dr. Harrell, and uh, as well as autobiography, Canadian literature. This term, I am also teaching a 400 level seminar called Me Too and Canadian Literature to about 22 students. Thank you for letting us know about your classes, uh, specifically in your courses about gender and sexuality. Um, Before you were teaching online, what did inclusivity look like in your classrooms? Well, for me, inclusivity means that you that we're able to help each student thrive and what in whatever way that means for them. So for me, it means that I can connect the course material to something that's useful to them or interesting to them somehow. Um, and to do that, you really have to know something about the students, about where we are, where we're teaching, who the students are, what their experiences are. So I think allowing for uh, the individual experience of students as part of teaching and understanding what they need and where they're coming from is how I've considered inclusivity and thriving. So what I think when I think about inclusivity as a teacher is I think about what justice means. Um, a lot more than inclusivity. And let me just bear with me for a second. So sometimes what that means is that um, normative environments shouldn't act in the, shouldn't operate in the classroom. So when I have taught material that is specifically about being on treaty six or Métis nation region four, um, sometimes what that means is that the perspectives of people who settled here who are not Indigenous should take a back seat. And that's about justice. So it's not really about inclusivity, because that would be about people fitting into my world. It's more when I'm really teaching and I feel like I'm teaching my best, 
I'm fitting into someone else's world. So exactly what Corinne said about proceeding from where people are at is really important when you're trying to do that. So before um, the internet teaching that we're doing, um, that could mean, for instance, making sure that you're not in a place that's not wheelchair accessible, right? That kind of thing is not about inclusivity. That's about justice. So that's an example of what I mean. Yeah, I really appreciate that critique of the idea of inclusivity, because I think justice or equity, right? This idea of how do we uh, make sure that people have access to why they're here, what they're wanting to get out of their education. And we know that they come with different things. So everybody's not equal. They don't need the same things or want the same things. And recognizing that is really important. Well, and I think the, I really appreciate the justice aspect about fitting in and perceiving from somebody else's world, as opposed to forcing them to fit into our world. I think that's a lovely way of phrasing this. So then thinking about that, well, and you both have very broad definitions of inclusivity and justice. Were you concerned about maintaining that when you shifted your course online? That was probably my biggest concern, honestly. One of our biggest concerns about moving online, because a lot of the ways that I I guess I deal with what we're calling inclusivity are very subtle. It's it's ways about how you set the mood in the classroom and how you interact with students and you know the ways that you kind of get to know them. And sometimes those ways are explicit. And so, but lots of times they're very implicit and the live classroom gives you a lot of opportunities to pick up on cues. And so I was really concerned with how that was going to work online. Yeah. I also think that we have um, a situation with online teaching where we introduced new inequities into the system of necessity. And one of them is, does everybody have the same bandwidth? And the answer is no. Does everyone have the same access to technology that would enable them to fully access their learning environment and be part of it? And the answer is no. And we are literally beaming into people's living spaces in this situation. And in a classroom, that's a neutral environment. Um, We may all complain about our classrooms. I certainly am no exception. I wish it were better. (laughs) But I also know that everybody, we all come into that space in the same way. But there are other inequities, like, is there good internet? Is there good, what are you going to do with people who have kids? What are you going to do about people who, um, don't know that their kids are out, which, you know, because of the nature of the material that Corinne and I teach is something that happens. You know, those people get attracted to this course material because it's a safe place for them to be or an interesting place for them to be. But what are we supposed to do about that? So so I actually think the online environment created some new situations, some new problems that we have to work on and resolve and figure out. We need accommodations. I've been working for years now trying to think about how to do universal accommodations in my classes, and it's very difficult. You know, who asks for help? Who recognizes the need for, you know, what we call an accommodation? I just call education. Um, and so I think a lot of these a lot of these things were huge concerns of ours going into remote teaching. Did a lot of these issues come about after you started teaching or were these things that the two of you had thought about in depth before going in and started trying to solve? I use those in quotations before 
starting the course? We definitely did try to talk about this quite a bit. In fact, one of the reasons we did this co-teaching is so that we would be able to share ideas. And we thought that this course might might work in an online environment better than other courses for various reasons. Uh, but we were very concerned with uh, the, the particularity of the students we were going to encounter and how the online environment might inhibit them. I think we were um, we were prepared for some things and they came up very quickly. Some of the things came up very quickly. I, and so we saw right away that, yes, we had we were, we recognized them because we had thought of them. I think there are probably a lot of things we're not seeing. We weren't prepared for and we didn't think about in advance. So I think there's three categories of so the things we knew were going to happen and did happen. There are things we didn't think about and that then turned up. And then there are things that we don't even know are there yet because we're only halfway into our first semester experiment with that. And I have examples in all those categories, but I'll let Julie speak. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I really appreciate Corinne bringing up the fact that this was actually part of our design. So not everybody would have thought, hey, a pandemic, let's figure out how to team teach. Let's team teach double the students we usually do. This could work, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's who we are, right? <laughs> and so one of the things that we did was we spent an enormous, because when you're, when you're, we spent an enormous amount of time thinking about these things and trying to anticipate things, but it's absolutely, as Corinne says, you simply cannot predict everything that's going to happen. We couldn't even predict how we would be online. And because team teaching already requires an enormous amount of negotiation, Right. Uh, you know, and, and it requires a lot of um, working out of details. We almost script our stuff sometimes now because that's how we have to because when you're online, it's so much more difficult to even be able to predict each other, to even be able to say, oh, from body language. Oh, I need to talk or no, I don't. You know, there's all of all of those things. So it's absolutely as Corinne says there's probably stuff going on we don't even know is happening. And for instance, our students are getting tired. We can tell some of them are taking full-time courses. Like, so that means five and they're trying to do that online. We've got people who have been on zoom for three hours before they even see us. Like there's a lot for them to do that. We, we don't even know how that's going to work. So there's that. Um, I, we're happy to talk about specific examples of what we planned for and what came up, though, if you would like us to at this point. Absolutely. So that would be very helpful to our listeners. So I can give um, a couple of examples. We knew we would have students in the class that were not comfortable in their home environments to be out as who they were. And so we thought a lot about... Um, this. And of course, one thing we allowed for is that they didn't have to have their cameras on. Um, one of, we thought a lot about this. We realized we could allow them to change their names in Zoom and rep them, represent themselves as they wanted to be. And so we had thought about that. But before class even started, we had a student write to us who said that they were trans and not out at home and that this was going to be very difficult. And Julie spent a long time trying to sort out how this person could change their online name in e-class. And that was not something that was possible or at least acceptable to the student with the variations that were made possible. I know they were really happy that they were able to do it on Zoom. And the very first day of class, we had a different student say that that was the first time that they were able to be called by the, the name that they wanted to be called by. <laughs> 
in, you know, in a professional space. So that was awesome. But still, there are ways that we were not able to accommodate those students who, you know, were not out in their home environment, were not able to be called by the name that they wanted to be called by. Um, I think we found some, in some ways, the online environment might have been easier. I think for the student who said that they, that was the first time they were able to put their real name out there, um, that person may perhaps have felt more comfortable because we were all doing it on Zoom and updating our names and things like that. But I think those things have been, we've just had to do them on the fly. And I know we've spent a lot of time. I don't know how many hours Julie spent trying to figure out the E-class situation and it did not get solved. <laughs> so that's interesting that um, being having to adapt your courses to being taught remotely did offer some pros, but also some cons as well. Yes. Uh, and there's some things that we didn't predict, right? So just like um, what Corinne has said about um, trans identification or genderqueer identification for some of the students, right? But what we also didn't predict was even though we're teaching for uh, what for us is a very large class, we're teaching double the amount of students that we usually would. Um, and we did that because there's two of us. So we simply put together what our teaching, teaching complement was, right? And we filled that class. Okay. So, but what we didn't predict was that one of the features of when we're doing synchronous instruction, and, and I should say that we do follow what the university's recommendations and CTLs were, which is that we do offer um, a combination of synchronous and asynchronous. So we want to emphasize that we do not just do synchronous. We're talking about it right now, but we're happy to talk about other things to do with this. And that's partly because of that idea of inclusion. We really want to make sure that there's more than one way to think through our material, right? Because everybody's learning styles are different. Everybody's situation is different, right? But one of the things we didn't predict was that when we are doing synchronous on Zoom, that the chat would really work. We did not know that the students would use the chat function to build community. And they literally did. So when these uh, trans students started talking about their situations, they got enormous amounts of support and love immediately. And that would not have happened necessarily in a live class environment where students are not always able to talk out or feel like they can talk out the way that they want to. And so we actually have seen that grow. We, we start every synchronous class with music and we absolutely advise anybody out there to do that. We tie our music thematically to what we're doing. Our students love it. It's like it takes them out of some other learning environment and puts them into this new environment. It, it puts them into the environment of the class. Actually started making their own community stuff. They, they actually run their own, their own discussions. They run them using their own app. We have nothing to do with that. They use the chat as the beginning of their community. The only rule we made was no private conversations on chat. Because we said, you need to, if you're going to say something, say it to everybody. But that, but we did not predict that that was going to happen. We even considered whether we would have chat because we were worried about Zoom bombing. And it turns out, no, we didn't have to worry. Go ahead, Corinne. Do you have anything you want to add there? Um, on the first day, someone had made a comment about someone else's um, clothing. And I felt that was inappropriate, even though it was a compliment. So we did make a rule that they could not make any personal comments on chat and they could not make any derogatory comments and they couldn't have private chats, but um, we would let them have chat. They also wanted something else we didn't let them have. Oh, they wanted to video, they wanted to record the lectures. We did not want the lectures recorded, even though we were encouraged to do that, 
because of the nature of the material, gender and sexuality, and people are talking about their own experiences, we wanted no possibility that that could get out there, you know, inappropriately. Even if, they, you know, even if we if technically they couldn't do it, we know they do. So we were very concerned with privacy and with those kind of questions about um, inappropriate comments and things, but we did decide to use the chat and it has been super successful. But I would say that is only because we have two of us. There is no way I could use chat if I were running the class myself. It would be absolutely impossible for me to be running the live class and monitoring the chat. So we tend to switch off. One of us is running the live discussion and one of us is running the chat. And Julie is absolutely correct that what the students have done is they use chat for a lot of things. Sometimes they use it for comments about, you know, the class, which we told them that was the only thing they could do. But they absolutely use it to support each other. And anytime a student tells a personal story, they get so many students commenting and supporting each other. And so they are building community. And they did take it offline onto a off off e-class onto a Discord of their own. And I hope they're being respectful there. But I think they are. We talked a lot uh, at the beginning about um, protocols for the uh, synchronous class. You know, what what were the protocols? And we gave some that we thought were important, like no derogatory comments, no personal comments. Um, they made some suggestions. And so we drew up a, an agreement about how they were going to behave. And I think just having that conversation with them helped. Another thing that we are doing that we didn't think of, we sort of talked about it and then we started doing it, was that we started making an introductory video every week that talks about the upcoming material for the week. And at one point, Corinne asked our class, do you really want to have us do this anymore? Like, you don't really need this, do you? And they were like, oh, no, we love this. We need this, right? And and we do it every week. It's like a five, three to five minute video after we have a meeting together about what we're going to be doing. And we just say, this is coming up. This is what we want to do. Here you go, kids. It's like not really well produced. Like we are not production specialists, definitely. And, you know, there we are in our split screen or whatever. And then we upload it and that we do that every week. And they love this. It get, it makes it feel like we're their profs telling them what's going on. They said to us that they have so many different classes and there's so many expectations and there's so many different assignments that they have to do because now all the asynchronous, we all ask them to do all this on-screen writing, which is which. So somehow we are replicating that feel of having your awkward prof stand up at the top of the class and go, this is what's going to happen, kids. And, mm -hmm. and it's fine. <laughs> so that's something we did not predict they would love, but they do. So because we were left with this situation, like a lot of instructors are at the University of Alberta, what we decided to do was understand accommodation in terms of those broad principles around justice. So uh, one of the things that we did was we did have a survey around um, technical expertise and technical and access to technology. We did that early and we checked in with our students to do with that, to see how they were doing with that stuff. They've been remarkably good. I think our students are resilient in many ways. Um, we should never rely on that. We should never say that that's what they always have to do. Um, but that's been our experience around technology. But our commitment to doing ACE um, synchronous instruction, which includes us recording videos, we have made podcasts, we've used different methods of delivery um, in terms of providing information to students. And we've done that out of a concern for um, equity, particularly. 
so one of the things that we did in terms of our course design was we half of our course is asynchronous so we um we're supposed to teach on the tuesday thursday system and we don't run a class on thursday on tuesday instead we have um what we call learning logs so that students are doing readings and they are responding in terms of their writing um, and then um, on Thursdays, we have our live class. So we uh, make sure that we vary our instruction. It is labor intensive, but it is paying off for us. And then we checked in with our students to see how they were doing with that blended instruction. And we're making some adjustments to what we're doing. So um, I, I do a Thursday morning synchronous session on the last Thursday of each unit. Mm. That I do in my course, um, but the rest of it's asynchronous. And that that synchronous lesson or session, I guess I should call it, uh, I do three active and collaborative learning activities where they're applying content to okay. problems, cases, things like that. They've had a lot of concerns, a lot of comments from students about being overburdened by work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we discussed that. I wanted to wanted to just ask them, you know, get some feedback from my students about how this class was going. Um, and so I purposely designed my course to, so that my asynchronous lectures were very condensed. And so, uh, the, what would be a three hour week is probably only about two hours worth of, uh, asynchronous videos. And then we do about an hour session. And so I, I try to make sure that it's still three hours, but they were saying that in other courses that are content heavy, that's certainly not the case. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the, it is that the issue with the flipped classroom, I think is like, you're throwing a ton of content on them and then still wanting them to come to class too. It's, it's like double the amount of work. And, and there are certainly, I heard a lot of concerns about just, it's just too much. It's not fair. And so one of the things that Corinne and I have done as we've been checking in with our students is listening to them in terms of how much content can they handle. And so some of our stuff we don't want to pull back on because of the nature of the course that we're teaching. But some of what we do, we did reduce how much writing they're doing. That's occasional writing. We are trying our very best to slow down, re-explain concepts. We try to make something fun every time we do live, because if it's not fun, they're not going to commit. So we even have pet minute. Uh, Corinne, do you want to explain pet minute? Well, because students are at home, a lot of them show up with their pets. And we had them introduce themselves on a forum, and lots of them talked about their animals because I think Julie started with talking about her animal. Mr. T is the is the mascot of the class. <laughs> yeah, he's our he's my cat. He's not here right now, but so yes. So so when we're when we're doing something really difficult one week, we decided to break it up with pet minute. And we told the students in advance, and they could put whatever they wanted, their plants or their stuffed animals or whatever, <laughs> their own arms. And that was really, really fun. And it only took a minute, literally. We just took a minute. We said, okay, everybody can have their pets. So we're really trying to make it fun and trying to find ways to make it live for them. And I will say that when we checked in with them about the course, so we do, we each do a lecture every week, about 20 to 30 minutes in place of Tuesday class. And then we have the Thursday class and we never, we always use the full time hour and 20 minutes. Everyone said they, they liked the live classes. There was no, no one saying to do less live classes. <laughs> Everyone said right. live classes were good. They wanted more. But we know they can't be in live classes all the time. So I think because we're able to minimize it and we try to make it fun and only about discussion, not about lectures or any or administrative, all the administrative stuff goes online <laughs> or, you know, somewhere else. Just like live classes only for discussion and interaction. And so that's actually been kind of nice 
you know, to just have that time and be able to really focus on making a community building and making it like that. And the students do like it. I wanted to go back to the question, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Of course. Some of these accommodation issues really clash with each other. You know, right. like how the desire to, you know, you want to accommodate students who can't be in class and record it, but then we want the classes to not feel, you know, we, we don't want them to feel self-conscious in class. <laughs> so we made decisions to make certain kind of, a, because of our material, we really didn't want to record the classes. I would make a different decision in a different class. But I think it's, I think we're really running into questions about how to accommodate, you want to accommodate one issue, and then that creates other accommodation issues. And we're just beginning to find out how complex that is in this online environment. And even though we do check in with students, I'm always aware that students feel that they need to tell us what we think we want to hear, mm. you know, and and it's hard to get them to be honest, to criticize us. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's going to take a long time for us to figure out everything that's going on. Yeah. I think that goes back to what you said, Julie, earlier about, um, you know, that they are students. And so you, you have to try to strike this balance between forcing them to you know, to learn these things and you wanting, mm-hmm. wanting them to engage that stuff, but at the same time being accommodating to their needs. Or, But I also think it's more than that. And both Julie and Corinne have really been talking about seeing their students as humans and, and right. being humans mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, that's what I've been hearing a lot of is the community and the humanity and respecting everyone for who they are and coming from their place. And, and that sounds like it's something very natural for the two of you. So um, moving online, obviously, there's going to be issues, but you, you respected and, and handled those. Something I'm curious about is how might this change your teaching in the future? Oh, I love thinking about the future. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> love it. Go ahead, um, Corinne. Um, I, I want to hear what you think about this first. I really do. <laughs> I have not thought about that as much as I should. I would say for sure, I really would like to continue co-teaching. The more we can collaborate, the better. We were Mm -hmm. able to do it in an online environment because we said, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter online if there's 37 or 74 where, you know, we can't get the classroom space and et cetera. So the co-teaching has been really, really important. Um, I'm always thinking of ways to build community. That's taken me my whole career to figure out how to how to make that happen. I'm always thinking about that. So it was natural to think about how to bring that into an online environment. I'm hoping that I'll learn things about how to bring some of the things we've learned back. I don't know how we're going to get the chat feature, except maybe just letting students have chat in class you know i don't i don't know how we would do that but i think there is um there is something called back channeling that is a thing yeah Yeah, sorry go ahead i think we will want to back channel more because i think we've found that that's a way for students to talk to each other during class that is good in some ways and i wouldn't want to discourage that in fact i'd want to use that yeah um i want to add to that those things are all awesome and i i think that I particularly think the idea that we could continue a way of making chat work or a way of having um, simultaneous writing occur would be really important. And um, I absolutely agree. I also agree that um, team teaching for me is really important. And I think um, I've been in different environments where I've had a chance to do that in different ways. E-class is a 
clunky thing, <laughs> but it isn't terrible. And one of the things that it can do is create opportunities for that kind of simultaneous interaction. And we haven't fully exploited eClass or even the other apps out there. Um, I love to use ePoll, for example. I'm a big fan of it. Our students really like want us to use Kahoot instead. You know, they like pictures, but I use that kind of I already use blended online stuff as a single instructor blended online with live and i've already found that it works so i wish to continue to do some of those things the other thing i was thinking was as we as i heard corinne talking do i really want to be teaching in the classroom two or three times a week and i am not sure i do so i think in if we, when we go back to live, it would be an interesting experiment to have fewer in-class things and more labs, more places where students can learn online a little bit and then come back in and talk. Um, that idea of having class really exist for discussion. And so um, I'm not that teacher either. I'm not that teacher that stands up and pontificates. Actually, what I like to do is run discussion and use Socratic methods. So I don't know. I don't want to keep doing that. Um, I'm sure we could talk to you for hours about all of this, <laughs> but I am going to put a, a, an end on it. We can continue talking if you like, but um, I just want to thank both Julie and Corinne for joining us and talking to us about justice and inclusivity and being human in the classroom. I loved hearing everything both of you had to say, and I really hope that we can have you back again. It would be an honor and a privilege to come back and talk about teaching with you. It really would. Thanks for the time. Yes, and thank you very much. It was really insightful. <laughs> I learned a lot. I'd like to say thank you too. I mean, me personally, I learned a, a ton from this podcast, even in one hour. Um, what I'm especially hopeful for is the future. I think mm -hmm. the things that you two are doing in your classrooms really make me think about uh, being empowered instead of fearful about what's the change uh, in an online environment. So I thank you both very much. Thank you for listening to Teaching Plus. This Teaching Plus podcast is created by the University of Alberta Centre for Teaching and Learning team. For more information on any of our services, please find us online at ctl.ualberta.ca. Until next time, Keep tweaking your teaching.